This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, May 24th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. Populism in Mexico has come roaring back as a new president there attempts to raise living standards while simultaneously pledging to militarize the National Guard to bring down the murder rate. Cato adjunct scholar Roberto Salinas Leon is president of the Mexico Business Forum. The, the populism of today, I think, is much more a function of uh, what Fukuyama has called uh, identity and the politics of resentment. There is certainly an identity issue or an us versus them issue of those, uh, um, those political classes and that segment of society that felt disenfranchised and that got completely fed up with the political establishment, especially after the former administration of Enrique Peña Nieto uh, succumbed to a vicious cycle of uh, impunity and just outright corruption and everything, and everywhere from uh, the construction of pipelines to the assignment of uh, uh, credits uh, to all kinds of crony arrangements with different corporations for public works projects. And, uh, and, and many other such cases that, that seem to reconfirm the, uh, the, uh, the fears that uh, Andres Manuel López Obrador had exploited in former uh, presidential campaigns that he had, uh, that he had engaged in, uh, that exploited the, the fears that this was corrupt and this was against uh, the public and this was the rich versus the poor, the us versus them, the bad guys, the neoliberals, and the conservatives versus the noble and just peoples of uh, of Mexico, and uh, uh, the the vote was overwhelming uh, last first uh, of July of two thousand eighteen. Uh, Lopez Obrador won incredibly with a majority. Um, this was uh, had been unheard of in Mexico's uh, nascent uh, democratic transition because it's always been a three party system. Uh, fundamentally a three-party system. And he basically did away with uh, everyone and won a majority in Congress and won a majority in the Senate and a large majority in in the uh, state uh, governorships. Uh, so from one day to the other, uh, his party Morena, which means movement of uh, national regeneration, uh, was able to uh, substantially capture uh, virtually hegemonic control, hegemonic control of uh, Mexico's body politic. So what, you know, the the murder rate is obviously very high in uh, Mexico. Uh, living standards are a major concern in Mexico. He's promised to bring down the murder rate, raise living standards. Uh in general, what's wrong with the way that he wants to go about doing that? Well, uh, he wants to significantly uh, his his effort in the first days in his in his first days in office. Uh, uh, it'll be it, it uh, uh, just barely five months since he took office, but since then there's been a definite trend towards centralizing all decision making activity and basically centralizing it in one persona. Uh, that is a, 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 a unipersonal uh, method of going about uh, political and economic business in Mexico. And whatever AMLO says is basically what is going to get uh, what is going to get done. Uh, and, and this is uh, not just highly authoritarian, but also extraordinarily inefficient in terms of 
trying to implement um, major changes, uh, uh, whether it's in policy or develop an infrastructure project or simply uh, run the uh, bureaucracy on a day-by-day basis. If everything requires the seal of approval of the imperial leader, uh, things are going to go bad very, very quickly. As far as uh, protection of a rule of law is concerned, there were no magic wands here, despite the promises that Lopez Obrador had said. He had basically run on a platform that he believes in the nobility and the and the justness of the Mexican people. And as soon as an honest uh, uh, political coming in with an anti-corruption um, agenda would would uh, would would be president, that people would start behaving accordingly. And that's obviously not the case. Actually, the results for the first quarter of this year are the worst in Mexican history. Now, obviously, he inherited a horrendous problem that has to do much more with effective rule of law. Uh, That's part of the problem. The other problem has been the the war on drugs that has been waged for for the past few years. And the fact that many uh, regions in Mexico are the equivalent of failed states or, or, or failed regions, where basically government is not able to exercise its uh, its uh, uh, monopoly on the use of uh, coercive force. So it's going to take much longer than a uh, fleeting promise or or some uh, flashy proposition to uh, do away from one morning to the other the problem of uh, of, of crime in Mexico and, and, and public security. There's a great deal of community work that has to be done. Now, another aspect that is very worrisome is that AMLO seems to think that by militarizing the police force and creating a national guard that would be military and not civil, uh, that this would be part of the solution. And this is what he's done. Uh, and and uh, and and by doing this, I think that also leads the way to rethinking of whether this is just another version of the Bolivarian uh, army uh, or national guard that uh, Chavez built, Hugo Chavez built back in uh, in Venezuela. So there there are causes of concern here, but clearly uh, there are no magic wands to such serious uh, uh, problems. Uh, that's as far as security is concerned, and as far as as uh, uh, poverty and living standards, well, um, to scare away investment, uh, private investment, productive investment, that's going to be that's going to be a major issue for Lopez Obrador because most of the policy proposals that he's advanced have have basically done that. In other words, they they have scared away. Uh, all of those potential private investments that we're thinking about investing in the long term, whether it be in pipeline infrastructure or railroads or uh, new manufacturing centers in Mexico or hotel uh, chain chain hotel developments or whatever project that might come that implies a very long term commitment, they're really thinking about it twice now because of the uh, again the the this idea of centralizing all decision making and basically uh being a a subject uh, uh having your investment subordinated to the whimsy of the imperial ruler how much of the 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 murder rate obviously a top concern in in mexico how much of that is driven by us policy well it's driven by us policy in so far as we haven't come to terms with a credible program of drug deprohibition uh, drug deprohibition, in my opinion, uh, or drug decriminalization, is not again. It's not a magic wand, uh, as uh, Gary Becker once said. 
We have to test it. Uh, we have a conceptual credibility behind it, but we have to test it empirically. But let's give it a shot for maybe 10 years and see how it works. Um, early signs in the, in, the, in the push towards marijuana uh, legalization, I think, uh, offer uh, the, the, the first uh, uh, initial uh, empirical evidence that, uh, uh, that this is for the good. Um, and, and that this would go a long way towards removing the, the very large margins and the protections that the drug lords have been able to enjoy thanks to uh, prohibition. It's not the only cause, as I say, but it's uh, definitely part of the equation. So uh, reducing consumption uh, in the United States, or at least liberalizing the market, I think would be a very important step in the right direction. What is incredible is that in Mexico, uh, whether you're a profoundly Catholic uh, um, household mother or whether uh, you're a professor in university or a taxi driver or a soccer player, there seems to be a consensus everywhere that drug decriminalization is uh, one of the main factors towards eventually reducing the issue of uh, public insecurity. Now, uh, you know, to the extent that the U.S. is the largest consumer of drugs, illegal drugs in the world, what difference would it really make if Mexico decided to proceed down a path of decriminalization or legalization? No, that's why I say it would have to be, this would, uh, the United States would have to be part of the equation. Uh, so uh, Mexico is going to proceed ahead with full-blown marijuana decriminalization anyhow. That's one of the good things, let us say, about the Lopez Obrador administration is that it is seriously considering uh, such a move, uh, which again opens up a, an entire new market and which will help also in, in partially mitigating some of the violence associated with uh, marijuana distribution. A lot of a lot of these wars and a lot of the violence that is seen, especially the 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 very um uh um. The, the the violence that is very much reported in the news and the decapitations and the beheadings and the tortures and the uh, lighting people on fire that's those are basically uh uh fights between gangs for turf and that and that uh quarrel uh is born out of the need to protect certain distribution uh points throughout the uh throughout the country not not only for exported to the United States but also uh, within the country, uh, within the country itself. So I'm not saying that uh, uh, I'm not saying that drug decriminalization, uh, uh, retail decriminalization in Mexico is going to make the difference, but it will be an important symbol of the type of step that uh, that, that we need to take, uh, and hopefully will be taken in, in the United States as well. I mean, it, is it concerning that uh, some of the problems that Mexico is facing? Uh, you know, as as bad as as some of them are, that there are so many things that are seem to be going right in Mexico with respect to economic productivity that it took, I don't know, it, it took such a small uh, set of problems, relatively speaking, to have the, to have this country turn so populous so quickly. Well, that's a great question, um, and and uh, and I think a very good observation that is going to require a great deal of research. Uh, whence cometh this populism? Again, my feeling is right now, and it may be just a feeling, my feeling is that that is not really a, 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 uh, 
a large set of the Mexican population that all of a sudden turned populist. It's a rather large set that were infuriated, uh, dis felt disenfranchised, and, and were very angry with the corruption and with the impunity of the former government. And they wanted change. Whether that change was uh, right or left or center or up and down, they didn't care. They wanted a, a change that was out of the box, that was non-establishment, and that was credible. And Lopez Obrador was able to seize on that opportunity, combined also with a long list of old-styled uh, uh, populist uh, uh, policies uh, of extreme uh, economic nationalism, Mexico is for the Mexicans, uh, very much the type of, uh, of of populism, of nativist populism that, uh, that you saw the Trump administration uh, successfully, uh, or the Trump campaign successfully exploit to become president in in 2016, or that you've seen the same phenomenon in Brazil uh, with Jair Bolsonaro, or that you've seen in Europe with several of the uh, uh, populist movements. So it's not unique to Mexico, and, and not specifically an econ a vote concerning economic uh, policy. I think uh, some of the decisions that have been taken have been uh, uh, have been very bad decisions for the for the future uh, of Mexico. But he has yet to touch on perhaps the two most important achievements that Mexico has had in the past twenty five years, which are the stability of the purchasing power of the peso, uh, in other words, the the climate of low inflation that uh, uh, that Mexico has enjoyed after decades of devaluation, default, debt, and inflation uh, for the past two decades, basically since the tequila crisis in 1994, inflation came down after, after an initial significant spike after the peso devaluation and the tequila crisis. But then after that, Basically, we created a whole generation or a couple of generations that were able to live under a climate of price stability. And that made an enormous difference as far as investment, as far as economic planning, economic calculation, what Ludwig von Mises would have called economic calculation, and as far as the prospects for uh, long-term savings as, uh, as well. Uh, and the other factor has been trade. The trade has exploded in Mexico and has shown that Mexico was able to play by the global rules of the game uh, equally or sometimes better than uh, most competitors uh, to the point today that uh, um, that uh, trade vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, the rest of the world has more than quintupled since trade liberalization began. Uh, we export a formidable amount, but we also import a formidable amount. And that has all meant an increase in what we buy and what we sell uh, uh, abroad. And that's been a very, very significant achievement, not just in matters of trade, but also in the integration of supply chains. So we have automobiles and we have uh, t uh, television manufacturing, we have aerospace, and we also, we also have software. And so, so it's become a very, very diversified economy as a result of uh, uh, trade liberalization. And to think that Mexico should go back to the good old days of petroleum dependence in the 1970s and the 1980s, that's not very good. That's not a very good sign. That type of nostalgia uh, is not only uh, fake news or not only harbors a giant uh, uh, economic fallacy, but also behind the nostalgia, uh, if it doesn't if it doesn't come or if, it, if it, it's not complied with, there tends to be a strong authoritarian streak be, behind politicians who speak of nostalgia and a return to the past, precisely at a moment we should be looking into the future. You uh, referred to this obliquely, but in terms of public safety, 
Uh, what role does the president have uh, with respect to making use of the military for domestic problems? Of course, in the United States, there is a, a, a clear separation there. Is, does that separation exist in Mexico? And what prevents this uh, president, if anything, from using the military for purely domestic concerns? No, on, on the contrary, uh, what he's done is he's uh, there's an initiative that has been implemented to basically militarize the National Guard. So he's militarizing the police force. And that's a very bad thing for two reasons. First of all, it creates uh, uh, a set of uh, uh, loyal uh, cronies with military power to enforce uh, his wishes and his whims. But second of all, it also is uh, confusing two problems. The military is supposed to address protection of our borders. Uh, and and not not is not necessarily a solution or the most efficient solution to uh, crime and punishment and to uh, wholesale public security. Um, you don't you don't want soldiers going around murdering people for petty theft. There needs to be there needs to be a, a much more um, uh, efficient way of uh, uh, and uh, and a much more credible way of going about uh, solving this uh, this problem. So I think he's gotten himself into into a, um, quite a dilemma, uh, Lopez Obrador, and uh, uh, I'm not sure exactly how this is going to play out or this is going to turn out, but uh, he had promised during the election not to militarize the police force, and yet he went ahead and did exactly just that. So you are uh, the president of the Mexico Business Forum in Mexico City. You direct the Center for Latin America at the uh, Atlas Network. What are the big concerns going forward uh, with this uh, leadership in Mexico uh, for the prospect of, you know, remaining profitable, for uh, being able to just do business? Well, from a business standpoint, the, the greatest concern is that eventually uh, toxic public policy can, the country can withstand so much. And if public policies are implemented, suggesting cancellation of energy reform or suggesting a return to protectionism or suggesting perhaps, uh, the, 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 uh, the attack on autonomous institutions like the Supreme court or the energy regulatory commission, and then maybe the central bank, that's going to that's going to occasion a a very significant problem for future investment possibilities in in uh, uh, in Mexico and especially for the future of freedom uh, in Mexico. Hard won freedoms. It is true that corruption and impunity have been rampant, but that that has been mistakenly associated with some of the very important reforms that took place in the past 25 years. Today, Lopez Obrador hides behind the word uh, neoliberalism and the discontent with neoliberalism and anything that is bad in Mexico is always um, signaled out as being the cause, uh, excuse me, the result of, uh, of a neoliberal policies of the past. And that, again, that polarization of debate, that us versus them, the good guys versus the bad guys, that's going to lead us nowhere as far as the type of dialogue and the public debate that Mexico needs in order to come out ahead and think about uh, a brighter future. Instead of thinking of greater integration with the United States, uh, uh, here we have one president talking about the need to erect 
the wall with Mexico. And on the other hand, we have one that is saying, well, we would welcome uh, economic nationalism and autarky as the new model to follow. That is uh, definitely, we know from evidence, we know from uh, thousands of years of, uh, of evidence and just conceptual argument as well, is going to lead to lower living standards and um, a great deal of uh, uh, economic shock uh, in an age where capital mobility is, is far, far faster than it used to be just 20, 30 years ago. Roberto Salinas Leon is president of the Mexico Business Forum. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.